are listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 1030 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Take your Bibles, if you will, and open up to Matthew chapter 4. We're still in Matthew chapter 4 if you've been following along with us. And if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, our wonderful ushers have a stack of Bibles in their hands. They'd be more than happy to let you borrow one. Just wave at them, and they'd be love to put one in your hand. And uh, then just leave it there when you're done. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to get one. Uh, if, you, if you can't afford it, go to the back table at the, in the information desk and say, hey, I'd like a Bible, and they would be more than happy to let you borrow, or let you have one, actually. Uh, take open your outline. It's inside your worship folder. Uh, by the way, when Rich talked about these cards, we really do value these. Pray through them, not just on Monday. We really pray through them throughout the week and get sent all over the world. If it's confidential, again, check that box, and it will only get to the pastors and the elders, um, and the elders meet this Monday night, and so they're looking forward to praying over you as well, so appreciate you doing that. And obviously, if you didn't turn, if you missed turning it in, you can still turn it in, it's not too late, so I encourage you to do that and as we walk into our, our time together. This is the last kind of official Sunday of the campaign, this concentrated focus looking at God's story, uh, this wonderful story that where, where love came down and, and really rescued us. Uh, God's story came down to us and then we are to jump into that and there's been different elements of the campaign. Uh, hopefully many of you have got the uh, devotional book. If you didn't get one, you still can. They're still usable even though the dates will be a little off. You can still use this as a great study and maybe go back over that. The, the life group time, uh, there's still time. You can join a life group. Uh, I know ours is, is always open and, and actually we're going to continue on and, and uh, letting them know that this uh, this uh, Tuesday night, but if you don't have a life group and you'd like to be involved with one, um, we have one that meets here at church Tuesday at 7 o'clock, between 209, right up in the back here. And I'm leading that and love to have you. Ron Degatano is going to be there too. He's going to split off a group of that and do something else too. But, but we'd love to have you join us and, or get involved in a life group. And then there's been, been these service opportunities. Um, We've done uh, different service opportunities with Illumination Foundation and some with the Holy Grail. And, and now this particular Saturday coming up, we're going to be doing something in Compton. It's going to be a great opportunity. A bunch of us are going there. Now I'm going to go down there. It's going to have a lot of fun and, and uh, pay it and do yard work. And I saw pictures of the house that we're going to work on. It's going to be great. We get to bless uh, uh, a family and a person that uh, just hasn't been able to take care of their yard and been able to paint their house. And so we get an opportunity to serve Jesus by serving this person. So I encourage you, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't got a, jumped into a service project, come to the Compton Initiative. Just sign up at the Life Group table. There's a place to sign up and you can be involved in that. But it's being about jumping into God's story. And you know, when, when we get excited about something, be it anything, we love to tell people about it. Uh, whether it's a movie, a restaurant, a, a new book, something fun, uh, some new treat, we love to share it. Kind of like Debbie. Uh, Debbie from uh, Oakland, California, many years ago, just she really loved to bake cookies. And so she made cookies and she would, would deliver them to friends and give them as a gifts to other people. And people loved her cookies. I mean, they would ask her to bake for their fundraisers <laughs> and for their office treats. Well, uh, being that she loved baking so much and everybody loved the cookies, her husband said, why don't you just start a business? She goes, who's going to buy my cookies, she said. I mean, these, I just give these out. So she went ahead and started a business and Mrs. Fields' cookies was born. 
It is now a $300 million business. And there's Mrs. Fields. You ever thought, when, when you look at Mrs. Fields, I thought she was something like grandma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Mrs. Fields' cookies are all over the world. Uh, some people have said that it, it's not just a, 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 a company, it's a movement that, that, that transcends uh, all over the world. A number of different countries, and that's a lot of cookies to create $300 million a year. But we've also seen this type of movement. How many of you uh, heard of the, the ice bucket challenge? Remember that? <laughs> and uh, some of you did. How many of you did that? A few of you did that. Yeah. It, what a movement is that uh, you were challenged uh, online. Uh, someone dumped ice, a uh, bucket of ice, or if you know, you're in California, you use something else or you dump it over your lawn so that it waters and so we're all resourceful and everything. But, <clears throat> but you, you, you dump this bucket of ice water over there and you call out certain people. And then they call out certain people and they call out certain people. Before long, it's a huge movement earning millions of dollars for ALS. Great cause. But it's a movement, a a moving out of of truth. Well, Jesus started a movement some 2,000 years ago. And he's been gaining followers like you and me all over the world. 2.18 billion followers Jesus has in over 200 countries, enjoying the redemption and restoration Jesus brings. And you know, the majority of these people came to faith because someone else found Jesus and wanted them to find him too. And maybe that's your story as well. But they responded to Jesus' restoring teaching and his restorative proclamation of the gospel and Jesus' restoration healing of life. It's like the living out of of Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. It's up on the screen. It says, but how are they to call on him? That's Jesus in whom they have not believed. And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching, without someone telling them about Jesus? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, sent out to tell about God's story? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news, far beyond cookies. (laughs) The greatest news out there is the news of Christ Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 to 25, our text for this morning, three truths come out about the restoring nature of God's story, restorative truths that should motivate us to jump in the movement of God's story called Christianity. So let's explore those restoring truths and and our response. But before we do, uh, if you could just set your books aside for a second and just stand up and let's pray. Father, I thank you for bringing us here today to be challenged as we sit sit and sing songs and and hear from your word. God, uh, fill us with your spirit. Challenge us. Move us to jump into your story and not just to to revel in it, Lord, but to, to respond to it to respond to the restorative nature of your story, so much so that we create that movement even among our friends where we listen and live it out and and believe and bring people to you and accept and announce it to others. Help us in that, Lord. Use this time. Challenge us, we pray, in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat, and hopefully you'll keep out your your outline there. And um, like always, I give out a ton of verses. And they'll be up on the screen. You can write them down. If you somehow miss it, email me and I'll email you all the verses that are in there and you can study them. The reason I do that is because I want you to get into God's word. 
I want you to open God's word and, and explore it for yourself and say, I'm not just saying this by picking thoughts out of the air. They're right from the truth of God. And so three truths of the restoring nature of God's story, a story that we should jump into, that we should create the movement of. The first is Jesus provides restoring teaching. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And he, that's Jesus, went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Jesus went throughout all Galilee teaching. Now, it's no great revelation that Jesus taught. I mean, our Bible is full of Jesus' teaching. And he taught his disciples, and he taught people in, in, in synagogues and on the mountainside. And, and as he's walking along the way, Jesus taught. He used every opportunity, every instance as a teachable moment to teach his disciples and to teach those around him, those who were following him. And he would gather people, whether it was in a house or, or along the way. He would teach constantly, and especially his disciples. As a matter of fact, we've been studying one of, as, through this campaign, one of Jesus' teaching, his teaching on prayer. It's found in, in Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus, uh, the disciples are there with Jesus, and the disciples say, Jesus, teach us to pray. And so he gives them the Lord's Prayer. Now, every Sunday we've been reciting the Lord's Prayer. And some of you are going, I want to recite it like I used to recite it, with the ending too. So we will this morning. So let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Let's do this out loud. Our Father, who which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh, doesn't it just feel good? Oh, I love that. You know, that was actually taken from uh, um, a little book. This is, uh, and this, this one's not quite centuries old yet, but this, this was from the 1940s. But it's called the Common Book of Prayer. So you've heard about those. The church, uh, whether it was the Episcopal Church, or the Anglican Church, or uh, different churches produced these common books of prayer. And what they were is they were the assimilation of Jesus' teaching, taking from the, the whole Bible and putting them together in a book so that you could use this on a daily basis and be able to recite prayers like this one and be able to walk through and, and learn from God's word. This was actually, believe it or not, this was my dad's, uh, though he wasn't, a, I don't know if he was truly a follower of Christ, but on his confirmation when he was in the uh, Episcopal Church in Canada, it says even Common Brook of Prayer from Canada. <laughs> That's where I grew up. I didn't grow up, but I was born there. But uh, uh, these Common Books of Prayer were, were great opportunities. As a matter of fact, you've kind of had a, a little bit of a Common Book of Prayer uh, in this. This was the idea behind our devotional was to get you into God's word daily and to give you something to think about, something to pray about, something to actually be involved in. And we're going to be doing more of those. You'll be seeing one around the Lenten season as we get towards Easter and, and that. But, but Jesus taught a lot. He taught about God. He taught uh, revealing God, who God was. Matter of fact, in John fourteen nine, Jesus says, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. We can know about God by understanding Jesus. 
and we can see the power of God as Jesus calms the sea, as he heals the leper, and he gives sight to the blind, as he causes the lame to walk, and as he even heals the dead, he raises them from the dead. He himself was raised from the dead. We can see Jesus and see how awesome and incredible and amazing and powerful God is. Because he is. And that's a, a great teaching. It, it, it helps us understand that God can handle anything. There's no uh, oppressions or difficulties in life that God can't handle. I, 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 as we learn the teachings of God, it comforts us. Uh, this past week, I, some of you know uh, Jim Hoffner. He's uh, our business administrator. Uh, we pulled him out of retirement from Boeing and put him in our business office, and he saved this church thousands of dollars. Uh, recently, we, he, he was part of the layoffs, and he just said, well, you know what? I'll just do it for free. So he's now volunteering his time. But he had a surgery just this past week. He's still in the hospital. He's doing okay. He just needs to kind of recover from that. But I went to saw him. I saw him just a few hours after his surgery and, uh, and just talking to him and prayed with him. And, and Jim goes, Mike, you've you got to understand that I didn't just know that God was there. I felt his presence. And it gave me such incredible peace that I went in that surgery. I have no worries in the world. I know that God is able and capable. He learned that because he had been soaking in the teachings about how amazing God is. Jesus also taught about the kingdom of God. That that there there is a, a different realm that we should be living under today. And that realm is where Jesus is king. Seek first the kingdom of God, which is Jesus on the throne of life. And it's a whole new way of living. It's living it according to God's word. And this kingdom living, we talked about it a while back in, in Matthew chapter 13, uh, what it takes to live in the kingdom of God. And we've been learning that through our time here as we looked at Matthew chapter 5. You know those passages, blessed are the... That actually, word means happy are that because this kingdom of God... Is, is better for us. It's fulfilling. It's more satisfying. We are better because we live under the realm and under the reign of Jesus. I, I don't know if your testimony is like this of coming to know Christ, but I know mine is. My life was a mess. But when I came to Christ, wow, what a difference. Sure, there's still problems. You know, just because I became a Christian didn't change the fact that my folks were divorced or my dad was an alcoholic. It didn't change that, but what a peace that came within And what a difference it means to live under the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' way. Because Jesus' way is best. And that Jesus' teaching is valuable. Jesus taught about our our sin and and the separation that we have because of that sin. Uh, Man and God used to be together. Adam blew it and then there was a separation. Our iniquities have separated us, Isaiah says. And if you write down John chapter 3, you can read the whole chapter, but in the first part of that chapter, Jesus has a kind of an evening encounter with Nick, Nicodemus, Nick at night. Uh, he has an encounter with him, and, 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 and Nicodemus is a teacher of the law, and, and, and he's trying to understand Jesus' teaching, and Jesus is, is you know, kind of lovingly but a little hard on him, saying, you're a teacher of the law, and you don't have any clue of the separation between man and God? What's the matter with you? <laughs> don't you get it? That it, it, this, this law that you're doing, these, these things that you have to do, don't make you righteous. They just help, help you understand the fact that you're sinful and need a Savior. And, and, you know, Nick, don't you get it? 
For God so loved the world, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, the son in verse 17 did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so Jesus talked about that separation and and Jesus uh, explained that he took the worst part of what sin does, that complete separation from God for all eternity. He took the worst part of that, paid the penalty for it when he died on the cross so that we could have that relationship with, with God. He neutralized the sting of sin. And it has no lasting effect on us for those who believe. And I know that most of you probably do believe, but if you're still seeking, still wondering, boy, make sure. Make sure that you know for sure that you believe in Jesus. And if you have a question, come chat with me afterwards. We'll sit down and pray together. But Jesus also taught about what brings us restoration in life, being restored to the people God created us to be, which is only found in him. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, not one of the ways. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That he's it. And that we're to follow him and to live and love like Jesus. See, we're to, to listen to his teaching. And we're to then live life Jesus' way. Knowing, that, knowing God more. And, and knowing how to live in this kingdom life. And, and knowing how to deal with sin. And, and knowing to follow Jesus' example. We're to listen. And to live it out. And that's how that movement is created. And in all this, Jesus also taught that there would be hindrances, there would be roadblocks, there would be obstacles that will also need to be removed. One obstacle is, is, is unbelief and, and mistrust. Write down this passage, look at it later. Mark chapter 9, verse 17 to about verse 27. It's a story of, of Jesus, or of an encounter that uh, this, this man who had a... Uh, um, uh, epileptic son, uh, at least that's what they thought. They didn't know what was wrong with him. They, he was acting crazy. He would throw himself in the fire. He'd throw himself into the water to be drowned and foam at the mouth. And, and, and they, they brought him to the disciples. And the disciples are praying, trying to cast out this demon or whatever's in this kid or try to heal him. And they couldn't do it. So they finally brought him to Jesus. And Jesus says, ah, oh, you unbelieving generation. And, and the father, desperate, says, I believe, I believe. Help my unbelief. If you notice, if you follow this, the, the, the teachings of Jesus and, and watch it, there are some towns he couldn't do miracles there because of their unbelief. They just did not believe. See, when it comes down to this, and this is where faith comes in, you have to believe it. That means that you simply just say, I get it. I'm willing to release and fall back into this truth and say, I believe. And many times we need to pray like that man did. Lord, help my unbelief. Because it's hard to believe in this day of we have to have everything in front of us, all the proofs and all the actions. And even though they are there, it still comes that point of faith. Another obstacle is other affections and idols. And, and write down this passage. Really read all of Matthew 6, but for certainly Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. Jesus is teaching about the, these obstacles in our life. And he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, if you treasure other things, that's where your heart's going to go. And if you place these idols in your life, they're going to lead you and you're going to sacrifice to them and you're going to have to go their direction. 
Maybe it's the idol of self or the idol of success or the idol of of whatever. And Jesus ends that passage by saying, you can't serve two masters. You can't have a of God and a little Jesus on the side. Or we have some other God and a little Jesus on the side. It's, it's, it's putting him there and removing that obstacle of other affections and idols and placing Jesus there. Another obstacle is this idea of entitlement and an unwillingness to surrender. The Pharisees were a lot like that. Nicodemus was a little like that. Figuring he had done all these right actions. Therefore, he was entitled to all that the faith had to offer. really wasn't faith. He was trying to get it by works. And see, it's not like that. We need to surrender to God. I love this scene, and you can write this down and read it later. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. Jesus is in the temple courts, and he's there with his disciples, another teachable moment. And they're actually watching the treasury. And in that day and day, there was, a, there was a, all kinds of um, uh, pedestals. And people would come and they would lay their treasure on the pedestal. You know, and, and people were showing you how much they would take out. And this poor woman comes in and she kind of humbly goes over and lays down two cents and then walks away. And Jesus pulls his disciples in and says, see that woman there? She gave more than anybody else. And the disciples are going... Jesus is a little nuts here. <laughs> uh, no, other people actually gave more. And Jesus says, no, you don't get it. She surrendered everything she had. See, we, we get this idea that we are entitled to things because of our actions, and yet all of those are considered filthy rags to God. What he wants is our entire life. And for us to totally surrender everything we have to him. That's where it gets tough. Matter of fact, Jesus made it even harder for us. In Luke chapter 14, verse 26, he says, if you don't hate mother, father, sister, brother, even your own self, you're not fit to be my disciple. Now, in that word hate, it doesn't mean despise. It means that you love God so much more, everything else seems like hate. See, it's total surrender, but yet we feel this sense of entitlement and God owes me. If I pray this, he, I should get this. If I go to church, I should have this. And we get this entitlement. That's an obstacle we need to remove. Our response is to listen to the teachings of Jesus and then to live as we overcome these obstacles, to believe, to set our affections on Jesus and to surrender. The question is, will you? For the amazing teachings of Jesus will restore you as you live it out. And it will also restore those around you as they see a changed life in you. They'll go, wow, look at, I wonder what they're, what's up with this Jesus stuff? And they'll be drawn in like a movement to hear about the teachings of Jesus. The question is, will you? Will you surrender to Jesus? Will you? If you so, say, I will with me. I will. Jesus provides restoring teaching as well. Jesus provides a restorative proclamation. Let's look back at our verse in Matthew chapter 4. Verse 23 again. He went through at all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Proclaiming, he was publicly speaking out. He was preaching about the good news that God has dealt with humanity's separation and encouraged people to step into that kingdom, to step into God's story. It's not a kingdom of me where self is on the throne, 
but where we give honor and glory and obedience and allegiance to Jesus. It's a, the restorative proclamation that God loves you and me. I, I love what Psalm 86.15 says. But you, O Lord, are great and merciful. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's the Hebrew word chesed. It's that, that I love you because of, there's no strings attached just because God chose to love us and, to, and, and just because of his great grace decided to lavish on us this wonderful love from him. It's the same love that's found in John 3.16 or, 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 or 1 John 4.10 that says this is love, not that we love God, but that he loves us. And I, and I love what Zephaniah 3.17 says, that God rejoices over us in singing. God sings about you. He makes songs up about you and he's a joyful about you. How restoring this preaching is, it builds us up, it increases our faith and it gives us hope. Jesus also proclaimed and preached that through him, there is redemption from that separation of our sin. I love Titus 2.14. It says, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Jesus preached that when we accept his truth, we are, as Ephesians 1, 7 says, redeemed through his death. That his death actually works. He did pay the penalty for our sin. And you know how we know it works? Because he rose from the dead. He's alive. And he rose from the dead saying, yes, I did conquer death. It's true. Woo-hoo. It's a truth we can count on. It's a great preaching. And as Galatians 3.13 says, he paid the ransom for the curse of the law. The law told us as the, the Levitical law and the Deuteronomy and Leviticus, all those chapters talked about the, the laws that, that came to show us that we're sinful and that we are doomed with the judgment of God. It's true. It's real. It's in there. And there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. That's why we need a savior. Jesus paid the ransom so that we don't have to go through that judgment when we accept him. And, and as 1 Timothy 2, 6 says, it's a ransom for all, for all who would believe and call on the Lord Jesus Christ. How restoring is this preaching? It, it builds us up, it, it increases our faith, and it gives us hope. Well, Jesus preached not only that, but he also preached the good news that, uh, of a new life in him. Romans 6, 4, when, when we come to this place where we accept it and we believe in Jesus, it says, if we were buried with him, therefore, uh, by the baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ has raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. It's that new, fresh, clean feeling. It's like, it's like new shoes. I got new shoes on. <laughs> and it feels so great. You know, I mean, don't you feel that way when you have new shoes or new socks? Woo, new socks are awesome. And, and the newness... That new car smell, oh, or when you just paint the house, it's just new. It's wonderful. It's that sense of freshness that we have, a new life in Christ. First John 5, 12 says that he who has the son has life, not just life, but life in him, that exciting, vibrant life, that abundant life that he came for us for. 
Second Corinthians 5.17 says that we are a new creature, a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, something new has come. In Ephesians 4.24, it says we are a, a new self in Christ. That's restoring preaching. That builds us up. That increases our faith and gives us hope. And our response to this proclamation, this preaching is to accept it. To take it in and, and to, you know, kind of like a, a, a nice cookie, you know, you, you just munch it in and mm, you let that just kind of go through your back. That's how you throw it and all the taste buds are going, woo, yeah, give me more. And they're just loving it. And the same thing, we take in that truth in, our, in ourselves and we just soak it in and let it settle into our minds and our hearts and get excited about the newness we have in Him. We are to accept that, to take it into our life and let it permeate every part of our being. And as well, announce it to others, to tell others about Jesus. You know, there's an um, interesting craze going on. It's, it's online and, and actually people are it's coming onto the news and it's in newspapers and in magazines. It's, it's this idea of life hacks. Have you ever heard of that? Life hacks in life. There are these tidbits of information that uh, uh, kind of uncommon solutions to common problems. And, and they're great. They're just like these little tidbits of information that you've heard passed down. Here's a few. Like taking little uh, bread tabs, you know, that hold the bread together. And right then you can label your cords that way. I love that. Uh, then you can take little binder clips on the side of a table and hold up your cords that way. Or take an old tennis ball and stick a... Uh, suction cup in the back of it and slid it, put a little slit in there and you can hold your keys and that, my favorite one, go back, go back, go back, back, back one. The, my favorite one is the, is the uh, rubber band on a paint can. I never thought about that. How awesome is that? I always get the paint on the side and then I can't, you know, I, I put the thing on and it splashes everywhere. Now there's some other life hacks that I'm not sure quite about. One is if you want to um, eat uh, popcorn at your desk, take your hoodie, turn it the wrong way out so the hood is in front of you. <laughs> Fill it full of popcorn or your favorite treat, and you can just sit there and munch while you're working on your computer. That's kind of neat. The other one is you, you give a, 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 one of your uh, little kids, uh, you know, kind of the crawling kids, uh, a special little onesie that has a little floor cleaning element on it, and as they walk around, I just don't know about that one. But the one I really like is this one down below here. You take a bed sheet and you tie it over your kitchen table, and so there's like a hammock underneath, and you let your kids play in that hammock. Isn't that awesome? And then, of course, there's food hacks. Oh, man, these are great. Like, you know the, the sugar cones? And you put ice cream in and they always have it leak? Well, put a marshmallow in the bottom. And it absorbs all that. And look at that, no more leak. And you got a special treat at the end. And then, oh, my, this one's amazing. You take a, a griddle and you begin to grill bacon. And then you take pancake batter and just pour it over that bacon. you got bacon pancakes. <laughs> and then this next slide... Yeah. I love it. I love it. It just says, don't ask questions, just do it. You take a lump of cookie dough, you kind of put on top of there a graham cracker, actually a s'more graham cracker, chocolate, marshmallow, then put another thing of cookie dough and mold that around there. I've got to try that. <laughs> but life hacks are fun. We, when you have one, you want to show it off. Why not show off the greatest life hack of all? The restoration we receive from the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the greatest life hack ever, and his word is full of great tidbits of information. If you got my email this week, you saw some of that. So why do we not tend to accept or announce Jesus' proclamation of the gospel? 
What tends to hold us back? What are our hindrances? Maybe we lack a confidence. We kind of understand this, this, this faith thing, but we're not sure we understand all the intricacies of that. Well, learn it. Learn faith. That's why we, we give you daily Bible reading and have you go to small groups and encourage you to get into the Bible yourself so you would get that information for yourself. It's going to take some work. Just like if you want to study and get a grade, you have to work. You have to work at this a little bit to study and to know what you believe. Another hindrance, maybe it's just not that valuable to us. We look at life and we go, here's Jesus and here's other stuff in my life. And, eh, you know, this is really more important to me. When it comes down to it, that tends to be what we do. But yet we're to jump in and not just visit Jesus every now and then, but actually jump into his story where his story becomes our story. To accept and announce is the reality of the gospel that it is to, to understand that God loves me and, and has saved me and I am better me because of that, overcoming these obstacles. The question is, are you willing? For Jesus provides an incredible proclamation in the gospel that will restore you as you accept it. And it will restore, the, restore those around you as you announce it. The question is, will you? Will you say yes to the gospel? If so, then say yes with me. Yes. Good. Jesus provides a restoring teaching and a restorative proclamation of the gospel. Lastly, Jesus provides restoring healing. Let's look now at the full text of the gospel because it de- or the, the passage we have this morning because it deals mostly with this. And he went through all Galilee. This is Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 to 25. Teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. <clears throat> so his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, and those oppressed by demons and epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. How amazing is that? Wouldn't you have liked to have been there? <laughs> Jesus healing every disease, every affliction. Now, not everyone in Galilee was healed, but everyone that came to Jesus was healed. The truth is Jesus can and does provide restorative healing, even, even today. Now, a lot of times here in this part of the world, God uses medicines and doctors antibiotics, surgeries like Jim went through and a flu shot. They're miraculous. Miraculous because Jesus had those things invented. He gave those people the wisdom to be able to understand that. And yes, he does the miraculous. There are many times Jesus just simply heals. And it is miraculous. But Jesus also provides restorative healing emotionally. Sin messes us up and brings on fear and and a self-focus, which is a whole bucket load of issues. Yet a focus on Jesus can heal worry. Matthew chapter 6 talks about that. The disciples are so worried about life. And Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of heaven. I love what Psalm 3 talks about. it. You can read it. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. You know, we get so down. He lifts us up. 
I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and I sleep, just like Jim, that, that peaceful sleep as he went into surgery because the Lord sustained him and the Lord sustains us. Jesus brings restorative healing from, from the deadly effects of sin, physical, emotional, social, spiritual. And then the reason the list of healings are here in our text was to give us the reality that Jesus can heal anything. There is nothing more powerful than Jesus. He is that powerful that can heal anything. So why does Jesus not heal everyone? I know I've prayed, probably you've prayed too, and yet the sickness or the issue didn't fix as we had expected. And this is where trust and belief come in. We have to trust right in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the pain. And that's where it gets difficult. That's where our faith is stretched. And yet Jesus continues to say, believe. He has other things working and we may not understand them, yet he understands our pain. And our response is to believe. Like like that desperate father in Mark chapter 9 who was desperate over his son, we need to cry out, help my unbelief. And Jesus will bring healing even in that. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Say with me, I believe. I believe. As well, we are to respond and bring others to the restorative healing of Jesus. Maybe you were like me, that one of those who was brought to Jesus by somebody else. I had a friend of mine who, just because he felt a love for me and, and he got the idea that he was on mission for God, and he came and he brought me to Jesus. My life was miserable. And I needed inner healing. And Jesus provided that. And he can do the same for you and your friends. Who do you know that needs the healing touch of Jesus? And maybe it's time to start and continue on with that. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual relationship building and understanding and drawing people into that. You know, we're part of a, a global movement that's far sweeter than any cookies and far more profitable than getting people to donate. It is the life-giving, life-changing reality of the restoring teachings of Jesus that we are to listen and to live. It's the amazing restorative proclamation of the gospel that we are to accept and denounce. It's the restoration healing that Jesus gives that we are to believe and to bring others to. To live out the I will to live out the yes and the I believe and to jump into the restorative reality of God's story. That has been our prayer this whole series, that you would jump into God's story, be part of that movement, missional, moving forward with what God has. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reality of your word and the joy that we have in living it out. And Father, I pray that you would help us as we continue to live out your story, that you would give us wisdom as we move forward, that you would help us to, to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and follow you, that, that we would understand more and more of your story and that people wouldn't see our story, but they would see your story through us. Thanks for this series, Lord. Thanks for challenging us. We pray this in your son's name.